Does your bike need some love? Shimano Original Replacement Parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How's it going, Patrick? Things are good. Uh, I've The last two Mondays have been holidays, as we all know, and my boys have been out of school. And The last two Mondays? Yeah. What have uh, I, what Lincoln's have I and President's Day. Lincoln's birthday and President's Day. So... Well, I don't know about the rest of the country, but in, in California, they close schools down. For, wait, so we have President's Day. That was just this Monday. Mm-hmm. School was closed. Mm-hmm. Are you saying school was closed the Monday before that where you are? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. As she turns and looks at her calendar. Uh, <laughs> we, did, I, we did not have such a situation here. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's, it's the sort of thing that, you know, really derails my work day. But mm-hmm. in each instance, I decided I was going to take a chunk of the afternoon and take the boys and go mountain biking with them. And so uh, 10 days ago or so, I took them to a park just outside, uh, just on the outskirts of Petaluma, about 20 minutes south of here. And we went and rode there. It's a place where they've had Nike races. And so I thought, oh, oh okay, cool. Yeah. Well, turns out. For a six-year-old with limited gears, <laughs> it was a little much. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So that one wasn't as successful as I had hoped. And so after an outing at China Camp this past weekend, um, I decided, oh, this is, we've got some relatively flat, easy stuff here. I'll mm-hmm. take the boys there. And I took them down on Monday and... It was mostly successful. Uh, Matthew, my six-year-old, still managed to get a little frustrated. And the the kid has a, a hair trigger. Uh, he really mm. does. Um, maybe something to do with six weeks in the NICU and getting poked and prodded and blood drawn and whatnot every day for six weeks. Um, Did he helicopters throw his bike like uh, David Miller? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, uh, like an enduring, like uh, like um, oh, who is the guy? Bernard, Bernard, you know the the real hammer throw. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, he'll mostly just stamp his feet. Uh, oh. He'll drop the bike and stamp his feet, uh, and then mm. pronounce it's the worst day ever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but you know we had we had one of those somewhere along the line, so it was mostly successful. We didn't have any tears, which was the big grand success I was looking for. Excellent. Um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, as as uh, he gets a little stronger and whatnot, I'm thinking that we may have a chance to actually start doing more mountain biking. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. I mean, he is six. I mean, six is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. trying to go easy on him. Uh, Philip was ripping around like every little feature that he could ride up on. He was all over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. It was fun to watch. Of course, I had like one eye behind me, one eye in front of me the whole time. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Things are good here. Just uh, all in working, working, working. I, you know, whenever you, I, I have. It's pretty cool. I mean, I have my schedule that I'm doing sort of like one big thing a month, but then like that means I'm spending usually at least one solid week a month, like with a wall of work catching up. You know, <laughs> so yeah. this was the week that I was looking at a wall of work catching up, but I uh, I see some light, so I'm going with it. Cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, what do you have this week? I thought we'd go back to a couple of listener questions. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, I love listener questions, and we have a couple that. Uh, we're stacking up that I thought were good to address. So no time like the present. Yeah. So the first one, 
I actually looked at this one for a while and I was like, do I want to walk into this bear trap or do I just <laughs> or should I just walk away from the bear trap? But, I, you know, life is short. Why not just walk right into the bear trap? <laughs> so this one is. Hi, Selene. Wanted to ask you about the Netflix film Game Changers. Mm. So are you just going to load the weapon right now? You, you're, you're familiar <laughs> with what? Game changers. I haven't seen it, but I am aware of it. Okay. I've read the description and thought I should probably put that in my queue. Right. So you're cocking okay. the gun now. That, yeah, well, or he is. Somebody is. <laughs> so, so game changers. I figure you've seen it. It's pretty fascinating. I'm not going to change my behavior. I've been a vegetarian since the Reagan administration. Um, but really curious what you think, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I am. It, I get a lot of questions about this. And like I like I just said, I'm, I'm always been a little reluctant to comment because people can be very, very, let's say, passionate about their dietary choices or tribes, as the case often is. Uh, it's a little like religion. With, it, it really can be, especially when it aligns with with a larger movement, when mm-hmm. it's not just a generic Hey, you know, what's a good thing to eat before a race kind of question? But like yeah. when it's a larger movement like veganism or paleo or keto or carnivore. Well, when it's informed by a, a moral sensibility, you know, you, you've got somebody in territory that's really hard uh, to, to take on from a, a strictly scientific basis. It's hard to argue when somebody says, well, I don't want an animal to die for me. But that a hundred percent and that and I'm not even going to walk that line because you either feel that way or you you feel like we're all part of the circle of life and everything eats or gets eaten. And that's kind of where I come down in the camp Mm -hmm. with the you know, I come from a hunting family and I always really respected that. And I have a real problem with factory farming. And I'll just say that right up front. I think those I think that we can all all the tribes can agree that things are not done well, Mm -hmm. you know, on an industrial Mm -hmm. level. Um, yeah. You know, past that, you know, let's, we we could sit here all day and we're not going to no one's going to change anybody's mind. We can all just politely agree to disagree. So I'm not even going to walk yeah. that. Well, I mean, because I'll just say film, I'm on your page. I, yeah. I feel okay. very much the same way. Yeah. So the film, it, it kind of goes there a little bit, but that's not the crux of this particular one. The crux of this particular one is performance, you know, by and large. You know, there's a lot of athletes. It, uh, you know, it, it, it's very much a health and performance lens that this one is going through. So I'm going to just break this down a couple of ways. First, I'm going to say as a writer, like I'm going to come at this as someone who could have written a script for this kind of thing or a book about this kind of thing. Um, I've been covering medical science since 1992. I've written entire books about the wonders of different diets, uh, healing with vitamins, the Ayurvedic diet, the microbiotic diet. I could go on and on and on. Fruitarianism. I've written about (laughs) things that I can't even believe that I've written about um, until I actually just stopped writing about a lot of those things. And here's the thing. I could write an entire book about any of these subjects because there's thousands, literally thousands of studies in PubMed, in the literature out there, because they're global. I mean, you can go in and you can look up anything and you can find a body of research. Maybe it's not the greatest research, but you can find it Mm -hmm. uh, to make your case and choose from. And that often is exactly what you're doing. You're choosing the studies you want to highlight. A less generous term might be cherry picking. but it's (laughs) That came to mind, yes. But it is all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and Game Changers is a one-sided documentary that presents only the science it wants you to see, period. It's very well done. I, I'm not even going to refute some, most, you know, there's things that are a little, but, but there are studies showing all kinds of things. And they, they flash across the screen very quickly. You don't ever get the other side of it, mm-hmm. you, you know, and that's, and you wouldn't expect it. That's, that's the mission right but it is i i i would encourage people just to to keep that in mind that it is a one-sided documentary designed to persuade you mm-hmm. um you know because there are studies showing the benefits of eating animal foods you know and i'm just just talking about health and performance here so even if you want to wander into the environmental impact which it does a bit um your dietary choices are very very far from cut and dried 
Uh, you know, well, I think, again, we can all agree that there's some seriously damaging agricultural and industrial farming practices. That is not animals alone. We could talk soy. We could talk wheat. We could talk corn. We could talk all the stuff we eat. Right. Uh, you are you live in California, right? What do you think about almonds and almond milk? <laughs> yeah, that's a really challenging one, given what it, the amount of water it demands and where they're growing them, which is a place that is um, uh, somewhat devoid of water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's not you know, that's not there's no halo over that. Right. And it, yeah. So I'm going to even leave the environment out of it you know, because and just go back and stick with health. And I'm going to repeat a billion times. I'm not slamming veganism. I'm not against veganism. I'm not against vegetarianism. I actually think more people should eat more plants. I like plants. Uh, plants are very good for you. Uh, it generally, if you eat more plants, you eat a bit less meat and it looks a lot like, oh, let's say the Mediterranean diet, which actually has been really, 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 really well studied mm-hmm. and, you know, holds up very well over time as a incredibly healthy way to conduct your dietary self. Um, they hang a lot of weight on what the gladiators eat, which is a pretty debatable and kind of ludicrous. Like they. <laughs> How solid is the history of the diet t- of gladiators? I'm going to put a. am going to give you a link to put in the show notes because I, I we could go I could talk days on this stuff. But it's they they make a lot of leaps and jumps that that aren't necessarily cause that don't necessarily mean the gladiators were vegetarian or vegan, even if they did eat a lot of carbs and they did eat a lot of carbs like Tour de France riders do, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. But also, well, a they were going to get slaughtered they didn't live very long and they also i mean part of their mission was to to get some fat so the the whole thing is a little bit of a farce like opening it with the gladiator thing i was just like please um they play super loose and fast throughout the whole thing um and conduct what really also bothered me is they conduct their own studies in the thing Mm. you know like they have this whole erection study after eating meat and yeah which i don't know it's it was laughable i mean they 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 did not conduct any study in any way that they that means anything and let's please also remember that it was made by academy award-winning film director james cameron who made the titanic yep (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be really well done. And he's got a lot vested in it because him and his wife, Susie, founded a vegan food company, Verdiant Foods, in 2017 that they invested one hundred forty million in. Holy cow. Who do you. I, I, <laughs> so, OK, I mean, he's got a really vested interest in making this thing that is like the Titanic of you know, vegan eating. And it's also hard not to imagine that maybe he had something to do with Arnold Schwarzenegger being in it, who was starring in the new Terminator at the time. And that's really funny too, because Arnold himself has said, he said in like the parade magazine and some other interviews that he's not, he's mostly vegan. Whereas words, oh, I'm mostly vegan. I still like ice cream and cheeseburgers. So, okay. (laughs) What? Those are just asterisks. Right. Like, honestly, that's kind of my point. Like, I was a vegetarian for seven years. I get it. Mm -hmm. And eventually I went back to eating responsibly sourced meat because I just felt better. And I felt better about my choices because I was looking at what I was eating. And a lot of it was not farmed well, was packaged, was processed, and was traveling all over the globe to get to me. And it was out of season and didn't make sense. You know, so for me personally, eating closer to home and like just making better choices for me personally is better. makes makes more sense. I I feel like I'm bashing game chasers and and maybe I am. And it's not because it's pro vegan. Like if you want to be a vegan, go for it. I, I, I know plenty of vegan athletes who kick ass. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think it's for everybody. I think there's a lot to, uh, to do with what your ancestry is. I mean, we're, there, there are people all over this planet who live on nothing but like raw seal or just plants or, yep. you know, that's, I think there's something legitimate in our DNA about that. Mm-hmm. But what really, what really annoys me is that when you play that fast and loose with stuff and you make a glossy documentary that, that, is a lot of pseudoscience. I believe you damaged the cause by drawing it all under suspicion. 
And that bothers me. You mean kind of like Reefer Madness did with cannabis? Oh, my God. <laughs> Where's the baby? Oh, my God, the baby. It's in the bathtub. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It just, I, that's what, you know, Michael Pollan, in my mind, has said it all that needs to be said. Eat food, mostly plants, not too much. I love that. Three sentences. Right. And, I, and they're actually fragments. <laughs> beautiful fragments. Most yeah. beautiful fragments ever. But yeah, I feel like when I feel like I'm, go, like I'm up on my soapbox and people are like, oh, what do you have against the vegan? I'm like, nothing. And nothing even against like people that, that want to evangelize july's about it that's fine too but at least acknowledge there is another side and when 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 you only cherry pick studies and you only do pseudoscience and you 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 package it in this thing it, i in my mind it damages the cause because you set it up to be knocked down and it's very easily knocked down and you're going to have another one coming up there's, there's going to be a carnivore you know, counterpart to this is coming. I know it is. It's in the works and it's probably going to be equally as one sided. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the, the thing is when people identify that there's an agenda at work that, you know, I, I, and I mean, I don't know of many documentaries out there that don't have some sort of agenda, some agenda. you yeah. know, and inconvenient to be passionate to make a yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want to cast down the notion of documentary filmmaking. Fair. But I do think that once people identify that there's an agenda at work, that they know that the filmmaker is attempting to steer them, if not actually manipulate them mm -hmm. around to their point of view, people resist that. People yeah. often resent that. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's true too. That's true too. But I mean, if, but if you don't, you know, I mean, I, I come into these things a little differently because I'm so steeped in it. I'm so steeped in the literature. You know, if, if, if you're not and you just sit down to watch this, I could see and I've, I, I had a lot of people on my Facebook page going, wow, did you see? And I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a Scrooge about it. I don't know that I'm just like, well, I did. But and then I just send them the link because like other people have done very long, detailed citate, you know, with citations like. Yes, these are all good things about eating more plants, but here, you know, like this is maybe this just consider this before mm -hmm. you take it all in as just the gospel and there's nothing else. Yeah. Right. right. I always so, come back to yeah. two statements that Alan Lim made when I was at that scratch camp in Tucson mm -hmm. a few years ago. God, it was like five years ago now or something. One thing he said that completely floored me was that for every study you can find arguing some particular position, there's another study out there successfully arguing the opposite. hundred percent. That's what, that was my first as a writer. That's I, I, I could write, I could write, you, you give me a premise and I can write you a book about it. Yeah. Just by cherry picking the research. Right. And the other thing that he said that has also stayed with me just as clearly was that there was a really interesting study about bread and rice and Swedish women and Japanese women. I know I've mentioned it on the show before, but they did a study for groups, Swedish women eating bread and right. they've been, you know, culturally they, they were raised eating yeah. bread, yeah. Swedish women eating rice, Japanese women eating bread, Japanese women eating rice. Right. Who were the most successful in terms of health and and you know benefiting from those those foods in their diet swedish women eating bread eating bread japanese <laughs> women eating rice eating rice this is not surprising yeah. the ancestry thing is huge yeah. and we see that there have been many studies where they take like pima indians and they give them another diet and they develop all kinds of disease they're just we're not that's real. I mean, like certain ethnicities are more lactose intolerant. We, we right. know this, like we know this at every level. So to think that there's one diet that's right for all of us is simply wrong. Like that is one that they'll die on that hill. Like that is simply not true. Yeah. 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 So anyway, whew, off that soapbox. <laughs> I've got a, the, the second question is not as volatile. It's a very Quick and easy one, and I thought it would be a good as we roll into gravel season to address. Um, this one is I've been doing big one day events, four to eleven hours. Did the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder? That's a big event. 
Um, big fan of periodized training. My question is, after a big event, what does recovery look like? What do I do or not do the first week after? How about the next two? When should I return to harder rides? Can I take too much of a break? I'm interested in what coaches, athletes do after a DK200 kind of day. And that's an easy thing because I can say it just all depends. <laughs> you know, again, um, I've seen some informal polls and, and Patrick, as you might know, you know, will have his own, you know, uh, experience, let's say, with <laughs> uh, with this recovery process. But um, I've seen some actual informal polls and some coaching sites that most riders will say it takes about two weeks for them to feel like themselves again after something like a DK. Um, the day after Kansas or any big event, usually you're cleaning up, packing, unpacking, basking in the glow. So a lot of people don't ride. They don't feel like riding. If you feel like riding, great. If you don't, don't. Uh, I had beers with Allison Tetrick the next day. That's really the thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it celebrate, take the day and celebrate. (laughs) Um, that first week, honestly, you should just, you should just recover. You know, if if you feel like spinning, great. If you don't want to ride, don't feel guilty. Eat, rest. Um, you know, you, you, few key things you should do is stay, get hydrated because no matter what you're dehydrated, You, you you can't keep up with your fluids and you've, you've lost a lot. Eat uh, good food, get more protein. Your muscles need to recover. Don't neglect carbs because you need carbs to help the protein and everything needs. You need all those to recover. Get good sleep. Get a massage if you want to. And I generally say once you feel like, you know, I like to do the housework, the yard work, the stuff that I've been neglecting, you know, like all (laughs) that because that kind of stuff takes so much space in your life. Open up that recovery space to get the other stuff done. And when you feel like your mojo's back and the stairs in your house aren't so steep and you feel like riding, then you know that you are recovering and ready to go again. That that's Those are my two cents on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We could send him my Strava files following Dirty Kanza, and uh, that would be a cautionary tale of what not to do. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, I, you know, two weeks out, I was, I thought I was starting to feel pretty okay, but it was three mm-hmm. weeks after that, that I did that grasshopper and, you know, doing a hard 70 ish mile event with, I forget how many thousand feet of climbing 7,000 or so, and some single track thrown in there. And that dug me a hole that I don't want to say it wrecked the rest of the summer, but it dictated the course of the rest of my summer in terms of, I really couldn't get my heart rate up after that. Yeah. But what else is going on in your life? Right. And you have to look at that too. You know, Mm -hmm. you have some stress, you have some, I mean, stress is stress is stress. If you're in a good place and everything's going well and all the cylinders are firing, maybe that would not have, you know, maybe that wouldn't have done that too. It's hard to say. Sure. Um, But yeah, you know, certainly there are, there are years when I did ludicrous things, you know, I would do a stage race and, you know, a month later, do Dirty Kansas and then doing it like I, I just stacked all kinds of stuff and it was fine. I recovered very quickly and, you know, but that in times where, you know, I've got a lot of family stuff and I'm writing a lot of books and, and life feels crushing, mm-hmm. that recovery doesn't come around as quickly. So it's important to remember that. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Oh. There we go. Thanks, readers. What are yours? I always call you readers because, you know, I write, but listeners. <laughs> audience. Audience. Yes. Thanks, yeah. audience. Yeah. We're going to take a short break for our sponsor, Shimano, and we'll be right back. At Shimano, we love riding and we know you do too. As a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life, we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly. Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears, and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. 
And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. To keep that love burning bright, show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Okay, we're back with the Pace Line podcast on two wheels. Patrick, what's your pull this week? So years ago, I wrote a piece talking about how alpine skiing was a much richer environment for skiers, equipment-wise, than cycling was. At the time, Mm. recreational skiers had at least four solid choices relative to their preferences for skis. You know, more than just like, you know, downhill versus slalom. There, there really were, it was a, a much richer range of, of selections. Um, and that's even before you included things like Telemark and Alpine Touring. And I remember lamenting at the time that even mountain biking had begun to differentiate bikes according to style of riding. This was during the nascent era of free ride bikes. So we had, which I never really did know what that meant. (laughs) You know, there's just, it's what Enduro is now. That's my take on it. I mean, they didn't have the the geometry, right? But that's essentially what that bike became was an Enduro bike. And so at that point in time, there were cross country bikes. There were free ride bikes and there were downhill bikes. And I mean, three choices was, you at least had choices, right? Well, the thing was on the road scene, we had road bikes and road bikes. At the time, there were hmm. no touring bikes being offered by the major manufacturers anymore. Raleigh had stopped it. Specialized had stopped it. You know, there were just straight up road bikes that you would probably take to a race if you were a Cat 4, stuff like that. And if you were a Cat 1 and sponsored by that company, it was the very same bike, maybe with nicer parts. Right, okay. Right. And, you know, the thing was, yes, there were cyclocross bikes, but nobody was going to confuse that with a road bike. Nobody was going to buy a cyclocross oh, no, bike no. for no. use on the right. road. Right, right. Specialized had not yet introduced the Roubaix. And the aero road bike wasn't really a category. There were some interesting little efforts in that direction. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't a category. And then gravel bikes, that wasn't even a dream. That wasn't a gleam in anyone's eye. So what I wanted for road riding was a real set of options that reflected the way people actually ride. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I've been hearing from friends lately asking my opinion about stuff. And in looking through various websites and whatnot, it occurred to me that that day has finally come. We really (laughs) are there. You know, I'll say custom builders have always made bikes to suit an individual rider's style that, you know, that never stopped being the case, but it really wasn't until Specialized introduced the Roubaix that the industry saw the light. And it's funny to note that the Roubaix was a response. There are all sorts of stories about this, but for people who were at Specialized at the time, the Roubaix was a response to a bike that Seven had done taller head Hmm. tube, gentler geometry. And yes, it did evoke some of the handling of the old specialized Sequoia, but the bike that tipped them in that direction was a custom bike from seven cycles. Anyway, the big thing is, you know, we've got this category of Fondo bikes now, more relaxed handling, less aggressive fit than your traditional road bike. And now that's been taken even a step further in most cases in that so many of these bikes will take tires bigger than just a 25 millimeter tire. They'll take up to 32s in many cases Hmm. so that these bikes, I wouldn't call them gravel bikes, but you know, any, any more gentle unpaved surface, something that's not rocky or too muddy, you can ride them on that. You can, you know, go take Mm -hmm. in a a gentle uh, gravel road. Oh, for sure. Yeah. As a matter of fact, two of my recent reviews, the Sage, the Sage Skyline, which just mm-hmm. went live yesterday, and the Ekoe Baseline, why do they both end in line? I don't know. Uh, anyway, both those bikes fit that mold. You can put really big tires on it. I forget if the Skyline was 30s or 32s. The Baseline was 32s. And, you know, that alone makes such a difference in how a bike feels. Mm-hmm. And also. 
to be fair, aero road bikes have definitely come of age. Yeah, they have. Whew. Ah, uh, yeah. But really, it's the rise of the gravel bike that just blew the market open. So uh, a little trip back to a, a less pleasant era for me. When the Tubbs and Nuns fires hit Sonoma County in 2017, most of the riders I know who lost their homes began the process of replacing their bikes, uh, their bike collections, by buying just one bike. And I heard from a couple of different friends who sat down with their spouse and they're like, one bike, just you can buy one bike for now. We've got to replace a whole house. Okay. <laughs> Don't get what wrapped up in all the bikes. So they bought a gravel bike. And one set of wheels. Okay. Yep, the gravel bike yep. came with a set of wheels. So with two sets of wheels. Right. Right. Most were buying the Diverge, which came with 38 millimeter tires. And then they would yep. buy uh, a set of 28s to put on the second set of wheels. So also the way the Diverge is designed, a little bit lower bottom bracket, some of that fit echoing the Roubaix. And certainly, yeah, not aggressive geometry. It really makes a terrific road bike when you put road tires on it. Mm -hmm. On top of all this, due to the rise of bike packing, I'm seeing actual touring bikes reemerge. <laughs> That's something I didn't think would ever come back around. I never, ever thought that like Jerry Garcia's statement about the Grateful Dead, that touring bikes would be so far out of style that they'd come back into style. What touring bikes are you? Give us. Oh, you know, you know, now I go blank on on model names, but they they are out there. Uh, you know, and some of the bike packing bikes, really, that's that's kind of oh, yeah. their what their mo is. Raleigh's okay. doing it. Uh, the stuntman yeah. uh, is. I mean, it's a it's a touring bike with really big tires. Right. Uh, right. Some of what Salsa is doing, you know, yeah. uh, and so and there are there are plenty of options beyond that and. As I've been talking to custom builders about the sorts of things they're being, uh, they're being asked to build, touring yeah. is certainly something, not rando bikes, but touring bikes is something yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really coming around. Yeah. And so the thing that I think about, the one thing that all of these bikes have filtered out from traditional road bikes, except for the aero road bikes, they have a less aggressive fit and calmer mm -hmm. handling. And mm -hmm. I find that really encouraging because between a more comfortable fit and a less intimidating ride and disc brakes that stop decisively and wide range drivetrains that will get anyone capable of pedaling a bike up a hill, road bikes are now a realistic option for someone buying their first bike in 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there were so many years where if I had been working in retail and somebody came in to buy a bike and, you know, an adult who hadn't been on bikes in a while, I'm not sure what I would have steered them toward, mm -hmm. you know, unless mm -hmm. it was a hybrid, which, you know, that's not a gateway <laughs> drug to anything except the couch. Yep. And yep. I, that's sad because when hybrids started, I really was hopeful, but it turns mm -hmm. out nobody graduates from a hybrid to a road bike or a mountain bike, unless they've got friends who steer them out of it actively. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those were, those were a mess. Yeah. Now the reality is our audience, most everyone out there is riding a road bike. <laughs> so the reason I'm sharing all this is to say there really has never been a better time to purchase a road bike. Whether someone is buying steel, titanium, carbon fiber, disc brakes, light action or electronic drivetrains, bigger tires, you know, the, when you consider the design, nothing so much. <laughs> what's the best way to say this? Um, to be diplomatic, you know, it, to it's calm, measured. Anyone thinking of replacing a road bike ought to consider it now. I actually want to replace one of my bikes my mm -hmm. aero road bike because mm -hmm. having one with disc brakes would be awesome, but I have no business buying any bicycles right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, yep. but I'm, I'm curious, Celine, because of the road bikes you've ridden in the last year, which one most surprised you and why I have it's Well, it's funny because I haven't ridden that many road bikes to be honest with you, because we're riding so many gravel bikes. And I also test a lot of mountain bikes. Uh, I will say, um, 
that Cannondale, that the very Arrow Cannondale, the System Six, mm-hmm. that bike is a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. That thing was extraordinarily fun to ride, uh, because it is madly Arrow. I mean, it it's it's you can really feel how much faster you are in it. Uh, so I really enjoyed riding that one. It's funny because I also have been like, I really love my road bike, which is more. It's it's pretty much of an aero road bike. It's a Live Envy, but mm-hmm. I would love to have the new Live Envy because I think mine's about five years old now with disc brakes <laughs> because because I have forgotten how to stop my bike with rim brakes. Quite frankly, I was riding in the rain. We got caught out last summer, and I was on it, and I was like, "Oh, this is." This is why we don't like these things. I mean, it was a steep hill and it was raining. And I'm like, I might stop. Maybe I won't. We'll see what happens. Curious coming to an inter- yeah, coming to an intersection. I hope I stop soon. You know, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's they're a thing. It's a thing. Um, but yeah, I the whole time you're talking, I just because I have thought many, many, many times, you know, that we were all we being the industry so swept up for a time. In the pro road cycling scene, in the Peloton, in the pointy end of the Peloton, that we were selling everybody those bikes. Yeah. And that was a giant mistake. That was just not what they needed. I know so many people who crashed, you know, who like, like legit, like wrecked themselves because they were just on a nervous bike that they really didn't need to be on or shouldn't have been on. Yeah, uh, they it, it, no joke. I mean, it's just like we sold people a lot of nervous, twitchy stuff, mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. light, breakable, twitchy, you know, because they could race the Tour de France in it, <laughs> you know, and no, yep. nobody's racing the Tour de France, you know, so unless you're doing criteriums, you know, and you need a crit bike and that's really your thing. I I don't know. I, I, I do believe that that we are finally seen to your point like a generation of road bikes that uh are great you know they're still light they're still fast and they still they will stop they will handle they won't buck you off or you know make strange line choices that you don't want to make just because you sneezed or whatever so yeah yeah you don't have to keep a chiropractor and retainer yeah yeah it's they're I, i i think it's just it's a it's kind of a confusing time for some people. I, it's funny you say this because I got a Facebook message from somebody just this morning mm-hmm. saying uh, and it was so funny. He said, I'm looking, you know, because he does cross and gravel. So he's uh-huh. like, I'd like something that is, you know, like can hum along at dirty Kansas, you know, along the, the prairie. But is also like nimble and whatever on a cross course. And I'm like, dude, like that was the evolution of the gravel bike. It, like you, you have to compromise somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have those two beasts existing perfectly in one bike. You can get one bike that'll be serviceable for both. He was looking at the open, the, you know, I have an upper, he was looking at the up and the, uh, stigmata, the Santa Cruz stigmata, which uh-huh. I kind of thought might be a better choice for him since I, it sounded Agreed. like he was leaning towards cross more than, you know, but like I raced my first dirty Kansas on a, on my cross bike. Cause it, I didn't, there wasn't really anything else that accepted tires that I could, you know, my road bikes were not disc. So <laughs> right. I, I needed 38s or something to do Kansas, you know, uh-huh. and that was the only bike that would take it. But, you know, gravel bikes evolved because people riding gravel wanted, you know, lower bottom brackets and longer wheel, like stuff that would make a little more stable at speed, you know, when you're blazing down that rough stuff. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's funny that somebody's asking, like, how can I get it? Where can I find this bike that does both? I'm like, you kind of miss the evolution of this. You, like, Well, you know, that's one of the problems with people not really having been educated by folks like us in the media about how geometry works. Until you understand how those things work together, people don't understand that a really uh, quick handling, nimble bike cannot also be stable at speed. It, it, you know, the, you just, you can't produce something that will do both of those. It's like asking right. for something that accelerates like a Corvette, but can also carry an entire Cub Scout pack. Right. It, you know, they don't, it, yeah, yeah. It, they don't make that, uh, violates the laws of physics. So when I get that question, I always tell people to go with the gravel bike because it'll be way more versatile. You can get one around a cyclocross course. The thing is you've got to be such a good cross racer 
to see where a gravel bike doesn't stack up well on a cyclocross mm. course, your your technique has to be Im- impeccable. You've got to be able to pedal through everything on the, right, you right. know on the course. You've got to be able to keep the bike upright and pedal around turns where most of us are simply sliding out. Right. That's right. It's at that point that having a true cyclocross bike, higher bottom bracket, shorter wheelbase, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. less trail, that's when all of that really starts to pay off. But for everybody else, actually having the bike that doesn't dart left just because you got jostled on your uh, against your hip by somebody right. else. Yeah, going with the calmer bike is invariably the better choice. And a cyclocross and tires bike, go an awful long way, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. sw- swapping out your tires will will get you very far. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, the thing I try to explain to people the 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 great danger in having a cyclocross bike, if you're only going to have one bike that can ride on paved surfaces, is mm-hmm. you do something like say a grasshopper out here and you've got a descent where you might be going 35 40 miles an hour and on a cyclocross bike you're going to feel like you're going to die yeah it's, it's no <laughs> yes, fun you at are. All. <laughs> and, uh, i have i have wrecked them in those situations yeah. and it's no fun at all not yeah. well, not one bit as a matter of fact yeah. yeah yeah and so getting the bike with the calmer handling it's just it's so rare that that's not the win and it's mm. nice to see Companies really paying attention to that. Yeah. I, and I completely agree with you about that, that era, you know, say the early to mid 2000s where the road bikes had gotten so aggressive and yeah, it was just, yeah, I was seeing crashes on group rides because people were trying to thread themselves through holes and they get nervous. And if you get nervous on one of those bikes, the bike twitches and yeah. Yep. Yeah. You lose your wheel and that's pretty much the, uh, how it goes. Yeah. I'm, I, it's a good time for, it's, it's definitely a good time for bikes. I mean, I know that there, there will always be the grouches in the crowd who are like, Oh, there's, you know, the industry's just trying to like sell us all these different bikes. But I mean, they're really just trying to like, and I've said this before and I, and I do sincerely mean it. I think they're just trying to, to fill needs. Like I, the disc brake thing and the tubeless thing has opened up where people ride and where people want to ride and can ride. And so now how are they going to ride? Are they going to do the continental divide? Are they going to tour? Are they going to bike pack? Or are they just going to do gravel races like the steamboat, which is just race, 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 yeah. you know, what is like, you know, so there's depending what your personality and ride type is, it's kind of cool that you can find a bike that is a very good companion. Yeah. It- you know, when people do raise that point of, oh, they're just trying to ram something down my throat. The way I try to appeal to people is just through the, the lens of enjoyment. The, the folks that I know who work in the bike industry, product managers, engineers, they simply want to make being on a bike more enjoyable. That's yep. really the goal, you know, and more enjoyable can be defined in a whole lot of ways. You know, the, the, yeah. the system six, you know, you're going faster. That's fun. <laughs> Super fun. Yeah. And gravel bikes ripping around a dirt road. Oh yeah. That's really fun. Yep. Disc brakes where you can go a little faster and still feel like you're going to stop when you need to. That's really fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> brings a smile to my face every time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I try to see it through that lens because I, knowing people in the industry, knowing what goes on inside, even the biggest companies, they're not trying to fleece people. They, they no. really believe in their mission and I, the passion that they bring to that job. Uh, I seriously didn't think we were going to see disc brakes that work this well and still allowed road bikes to handle and feel the way they do. At this point in time, I didn't think they would pull it off. It's great. That's that's a that is a very cool thing because yeah. they, they indeed they have. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 All righty. Well, what do you say? Paceline picks. Paceline picks. I I don't have a flushed out pick this week. I, I will <laughs> I will mention my well, because. I I have a Garmin 830 that uh-huh. I am that I am testing. Uh, and I, I 
used Garmin's, my first GPS computer, when I first got a GPS computer, was indeed a Garmin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, after a few years of that, I, I ended up with a Wahoo, and I stuck with that Wahoo. And I mm-hmm. stuck with that Wahoo because I like the intuitive interface of it. Uh, it, it reminds me very much of sort of a Mac versus PC debate, almost like one of them might have even more things that it does that I'll never be able to find, you know, but that I find if I can't find them, it doesn't do them. So I just go with the one that I can plug and play more easily. Yep. And that for me personally has always been a Wahoo. Um, there are now that being said, Garmin interfaces with all of these other apps that, you know, I have some people asking me to try um, these fueling apps. That's going to be the next thing. It's going to be interesting to see. So, like, apps that are reading your metrics and know your history and tell you what to eat in real time. Hmm. Right? Uh, interesting. I mean... It's interesting. When I had a Garmin, I would just set the alarm for... That's every what everybody or, says. Yeah. I love that. Everybody, to, you're the like the fifth dude that has said that. Like, to the... To the letter, like as soon as I say that to some guy, he's like, "Well, I just set my alarm," and I'm like, "Yes, I know. Yes, I get it." But <laughs> the funny thing is, Wahoo doesn't have that. Well, I don't do it, but I, so I don't know that you don't do it. It it, it doesn't have an alarm. See, like, the features that they don't have that I don't even know. It doesn't have that alarm. I haven't found oh. it anyway. <laughs> well, you would be able to find it because nothing's hidden. Um, okay. Well, see. You're making my point, and I'm making my point too. Um, but the, well, you could do that. But this is actually telling you more precisely, like mm-hmm. what to eat, not just like it's you know, bing, bing, bing. Think about putting something in your face, but right. like actually, you know, how much fluid you should have been consumed at this point, that kind of thing. Like how many carbs? Okay, so now you've got. But an I have app. to figure out how to use this Garmin. To- <laughs> <laughs> to make these things work. I mean, I'm not going to pull out my iPhone to check what I should be doing right now. And No, it would come up on your screen. Okay, it will come up on will it, it come interfaces up? with the with like I can put a I can put a data screen on my device. Uh-huh. That's what I'm being told anyway once I figure it all out. Okay. Uh does one have the ability to control the font size at all? You're asking so many nuanced questions that I won't even be able to answer once I do figure it out because you're making my point. Um, I don't I don't know the answer to that because you're saying you might not be able to see it and you won't know what to eat anyway. Is that your point? Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. Like I get text messages or phone calls and it's like I'm backing away from the screen, (laughs) you know, straightening my arms out as much as I can going. Oh, I I. Yeah, I I know who that is. And then I can't read the text whatsoever. And if it's somebody who I've been expecting to hear from, I have to pull over and pull out my phone. Right. right. So, yeah, I, I. There need to be more people who've had their 50th birthday working for these technology companies to talk about eyesight. Right. Because that's yeah, I mean, I. I I have contacts that correct a lot of that stuff, but that is a real thing. And I've, I've seen it all over the road and that's not, I mean, there's a lot of people and not just a lot of people start not being able to see that when they're 45. I mean, what, you know, when the, the yeah. lens, whatever the lens starts hardening, it becomes harder to read that print for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I have to, I have many layers of things that I need to figure out first. I'm getting there. Uh, and <laughs> I will say that the garment has, become somewhat more intuitive since I, you know, my first incarnation of this thing when mm-hmm. I had, I think the 800 out of the 500 of, uh, I, I still sort of struggle cause it offers so much that you're just like, what screen do I adjust that in? Is it under widgets? Is it under yeah. settings? Is it, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's so many, and it doesn't have a phone interface the same way that a Wahoo does. So I find it a little more frustrating somehow on the phone. If I can just swipe and look around, like there's more data fields in my line of sight and I can sort of play around, but on yeah, the scrolling with itself, your finger is a handy thing. Yeah. So I have a touch screen too, though, but it's, it's not for the eight thirty. but anyway, um, you know, I do appreciate all that Garmin does offer and there's certainly a lot of functionality to this thing more than I'll ever know. I know. 
But uh, you know, they even have like this. Cool, have you have you played with this thing at all? There's like a really interesting mountain yeah. bike feature, like mountain bike. Um, what was it? They have a special, and I'll, I might never figure it out. But it's like metrics that are mountain bike specific. It's called mountain bike dynamics. Oh, so it's got like grit, which calculates a difficulty score for every route. Um, flow, which is the momentum of your ride jumps it can actually supposedly tell me my hang time not that i'd like i don't know if it does milliseconds so i might never get my hang right. time that's the thing <laughs> but, interesting but uh, it's got a lot but you know like some sort of and i i would i would what my dream would be to actually sit down like maybe i need to go to the where are they in indiana or someplace uh, maybe Kansas. i need to Kansas. Oh, maybe I need to actually just like hijack one of their people and like sit down and just be like, show me, you know, because they do have some tutorials. They have some videos, but inevitably you still have questions, you know? Yeah. 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 My problem with Garmin is that I gave up on them. I've owned four different units beginning with the Gecko. No, I've owned five beginning with the Gecko back like 2002. Yeah long long time ago and i got tired of them breaking and having to send them back in pay a hundred bucks get it back six weeks later i just got fed up with that every single garmin i ever owned broke except for the one that i didn't own long enough for it to break and i sold when you to say a break you mean just stop working stopped working yeah no james huang is, has posted about that recently they still kind of th- they are, they have they have a reputation for being buggy, freezing, uh, 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 fragile. I, I, what used to make me insane is that you that was the when you had to plug them in via USB, mm-hmm. like those cords were very finicky. Mm-hmm. You know, there was many times that I'd be trying seven different cords. I'm like, maybe this cord will connect and I'll, it'll show up on my screen. <laughs> like, maybe this will be the lucky cord, and then we'd be fighting in the house. I'm like. What happened to my that cord? I had it right there. <laughs> like that's the only cord I can use with this Garmin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and yeah for that reason. Like I've never had. Oh, I've never had anything from Wahoo break. Nothing. No, I've had. I've had my Bolt freeze twice in all the years I've had it on a ride. But. You know, I mean, it is an electronic thing and that and I'm hard on things, but but that's the, it's never done any. I mean, it's always been able to just like reboot, come mm-hmm. back up. You know, it's not ever broken. I've never had to just abandon the, the whole thing. That's nice to hear. Yeah, I've yeah. just I've had such good luck. And then the fact that, you know, with with any of them, you've got that magnification uh, yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So I can make I can always make the numbers big enough to read. Yes, you can. And it's easy to and choose little, which are at the top. The little, I think that I've made my pick, uh, I don't know how many weeks ago, the Powerbeat uh, little earbuds that yeah. I have, uh-huh. they read my text to me. So I'll have like one in my ear and it will stop and it'll be like, Junebug says, as my daughter, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it actually like reads my text to me, which is next level. That's, yeah. that's useful. That's handy. Yeah. Super useful. Yeah. Um. That's probably going to be in my future once my boys are texting me. Yeah, it's it's it, it's great because you don't have to stop at all. Like it just reads it right into your ear. And yeah. You're just like, OK, sorry, you bombed your chemistry test, but it'll all be fine. I'm going to keep riding my bike. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Lovely, supportive mom. Yeah. It's my time. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to pull over again and let you take what's your pick. Uh, well, I had a pick and then in a conversation with a friend and doing some other other industry research, following up on some stuff, I, I usurped my own pick. So we've talked a little bit about training with power meters on the show, right? Yes. Yep. And while neither you nor I do it routinely. Nope. <laughs> The fact remains that for anyone really trying to improve their performance, training with power is the way to go. Well, for anyone who has been thinking, I, here, here I am encouraging more purchases. I, <laughs> I may feel guilty about this. I may not. We'll find out soon. <laughs> for anyone who's been thinking about picking up a power meter, I've got news. Earlier this month, Shimano purchased all the assets of Pioneer's bike division. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
And right. so that that's, you know, that's where the, the portion of Pioneer that was producing the power meter. And with that, prices on all Pioneer power meters have dropped. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, in an effort not to lose market share, Stages has also announced a drop in their prices. Oh. Yeah. So now we've got, it's not a race for the bottom, but it is a race to stay relevant. And so both Pioneer and Stages are like 30% less than they were. Um, That's significant. Yeah. Yeah. And so for anyone who's really been thinking about, you know, maybe this season I should buy a power meter, do it now. Do it now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that, and it's a good time. I mean, we're coming into the, you know, season. Yeah. They are. I mean, if you can, that's a, that's a rabbit hole for another time. I mean, I mean my <laughs> larger, you know, I had one on my mountain bike for a while that I beat the crap out of because we ride rocks here, um, you know, for my stages. And then it, the battery died and I just never replaced it. And I tried to put it on another bike. It's, it's kind of, if you have one designated training bike, I think that it makes a whole lot of sense. If you tend to switch bikes around, maybe the pedals make more sense. You know, I mean, I don't know if you if you really want to do power. I'm not. That's maybe another topic for another show. Yeah. Like how to make that choice. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think we'll circle back on that. I yeah, need no, to make a should. note. We should. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I'm encouraged for people. Uh, I my personal favorite for measuring power is in cranks not the bottom bracket mm-hmm. not the pedals uh I, they all work they all can be great but the crank based systems have seemed to be the easiest to work with yeah yeah and when you say the prices have dropped do you have any idea like what they're talking about like what the price points are well, uh i haven't i haven't looked at that and I understand that Pioneer was down 30% and Stages was something on that order. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of people I know in the industry suggested that somebody at Stages was actually uh, deeply in the know because they announced their price drop before Shimano announced the purchase of Pioneer. That's not surprising. That's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, yeah. So... It, you know, I mean, you got to figure that all Pioneer products are going to go away. That the next time we see some sort of update to Pioneer's technology, it will be Shimano's technology and yep. it will be on a Shimano branded product. So everything that says Pioneer on it is going to stop saying Pioneer. Yep. So while they're hot. Yeah. Yeah. It's this is definitely a good time to do it. And I'll also say that. One of the things I really like about Pioneer is that you get all that pedaling dynamics information, like the force vectors, and you get Mm -hmm. a lot of really great information about, like for me, that I have like 65-35 split on my uh, pedal, uh, yeah, my pedal power. Um, My left leg is a lot stronger than my right. Yeah. and I should probably do something about that, but I just we've, go out and ride my bike. We've brought that up a couple of yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just keep riding my bike. Um, I don't want headaches. So yeah, this is, uh, yeah. And also one of the crazy things is that Wahoo didn't buy Pioneer. They're the ones who at the final interbike announced that they had just, just done an agreement with Pioneer so that. Uh, the elements could actually show all that data. You didn't have oh, to use the Pioneer that. computer mm-hmm. to be able to see that stuff. The only other computer on mm. the market you can use to see all the uh, force vector and what whatever else, that's Wahoo. And so... That's who, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of surprised. So I think we're going to see a lot of evolution in the power meter market in the next year or two. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Stay tuned. All righty. Hey, everybody. That's a wrap on another episode of The Pace Line. We will be gone next week, but we'll be back the following week because Celine is going to be traveling next week. Everybody, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Don't forget our Pace Line kits from Primal. They're up in the RKP store. 
We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Baseline.